What's up, friends? As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty darn important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You heard me right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out today online or call it 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. That's Green Mountain Dental Group, 303-988-0711. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the courage for mile high, the best part of the week. Hugging a perfect stranger Cause they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast I'm your host Zach Stevens joined by my main man Andrew Mason And before we hop into the show I got to tell you about the company that keeps this thing going. That's Strava Craft Coffee, our presenting sponsor. You guys know the deal. Strava Craft, delicious coffee and delicious CBD. Helps with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on. I know everyone can use a little bit of that to just just help the body. So many people at our office use it. So make sure that you check it out. It's Strava Craft Coffee. And when you do, Use that magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase. Mace, this is, we're just one week away from really wrapping the season up. This is, this is wild. And it's the holidays. As you and I were talking, that this is just the craziest time of the year. It's also the most wonderful time of the year. It is. It is. (laughs) Although, as we were saying before starting to record this, sometimes I wish I were covering baseball instead of football now <laughs> you lose summer vacations and that sort of thing covering baseball but thing you get this time at the holidays to really chill yep and no chilling going on here <laughs> that's not something that happens when you cover a pro football team although i guess it could be worse if you covered a college football team that was in a bowl almost every year that would mean that a fair amount of years you're getting on a plane and you're maybe going someplace nice for Christmas. You know, maybe you're going to Miami or you know, Los Angeles or San Diego or How San weird. Antonio. Or but you might have those years where you're covering a team that goes to a lousy bowl and you're going to Detroit or Shreveport. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right now, right on Christmas. I heard some some media members uh covering a game yesterday talking about how they had to leave on Christmas in order to cover one of the bowl games. I think it was the uh, Cheez-It Bowl. Yep. Because Air Force is yep. in that. That and would be it. Is that on Christmas? It's on is it the 27th or 28th. Okay. Yeah, that that is a bummer. Well, when uh, CU was in the Alamo Bowl a few years back, I think uh, they all, I think the team left on Christmas Eve. And yeah, the Cheez-It Bowl is on Friday, December 27th, down at uh Chase Field in Phoenix. Okay. The other interesting thing is for the Cheese It Bowl, they're going to have all manner of different <laughs> items at the concession stand that are based around Cheese It, like Cheese It ah, tacos. A, ch- I love that. a hot dog with chili on it 
cheese and cheese it <laughs> crackers. <laughs> I love that. That's leaning into your brand right there. <laughs> I like that. That it, man, it's like the Doritos Locos taco. A little bit, yeah. That's 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 a good that's a good pull, Zach. <laughs> so yeah, they have to go down on Christmas Day to get all the pre game stuff in and yeah i don't envy that not that phoenix isn't nice but i don't envy that just like the last few years frankly didn't really enjoy covering broncos games on christmas eve or christmas day on the road yep especially when it doesn't mean anything that and that has been the case now for the last few broncos games on christmas Uh, when they were in kansas city Back in 2016, they had an extremely faint chance of the playoffs, but it felt over, and it was so close to over that that was when Gary Kubiak walked into John Elway's suite at a hotel in Overland Park, Kansas, and told him, I'm done. <laughs> yep, that night. I'm out. Saturday night before the game. Yes. That, that, that was crazy. And I, I, I talked to someone yesterday, and they said, oh, man, how you doing? Another losing season covering this team. How you making it through these final few weeks? And I said, oh, well, this, this year is totally fine since thank goodness for Drew Locke or else it would be the same thing. But it doesn't feel like a losing team that's five and nine, four games below 500, coming off a, a terrible ta- outing against Kansas City. It, do- it doesn't feel like that, thankfully, because of Drew Locke. Because, Mace, could you imagine if this was Brandon Allen against... David Blau or Kyle Slaughter. I'd be praying for I Kyle Slaughter at that point. <laughs> at least something. So, oh thank my goodness. goodness for Drew Locke. And of course, it is Drew Locke against David Blau, ex Kyle Slaughter. We may see Slaughter. It doesn't look like he's going to start, but there's a lot of mumblings coming out of Detroit thinking that there could be a quick hook on Blau this week, and that would be nuts to see Kyle Slaughter. Mace, does it matter who the quarterback is for Detroit? Well, it matters in terms of interest in the game. I guess what you're saying is that the time when the Blau breaks is going to be sometime during this contest. <laughs> but, you know, there's more enthusiasm about the Broncos with Drew Locke playing and uh, more interest just simply because, okay, you're going to find out, can this guy play or can, can he be the answer for the future or not? But what is interesting, Zach, is looking at the secondary ticket market, it doesn't seem to be translating. No, there is weird. Because, and this is normal for some teams, it's certainly not normal for Denver. Right now on StubHub, your buy-in is $45.89, and it keeps dropping. That's And there are a unreal. lot of tickets available doesn't it just look like game. like tickets everywhere yeah um like tens of thousands i wouldn't say tens of thousands i'd but i'd say there's a substantial amount it may be tens of thousands once you add up all the services right and all the places you can find tickets so i'm actually i think you're right there tens of thousands that's crazy of seats for a december broncos game well for a game where there's some interest in a storyline in drew lock and also, it's going to be a nice day. Yeah, it is. It's going to be pushing 60 degrees on the weekend before Christmas. Some people are probably going to show up to the gaming shorts. Yep. 
And some people have probably a lot of people have Monday off. Yes. Taking the week off. So you can go and you can come out to the Sons of Mile High DNVR tailgate yes. lot end south of uh, Sport. Ah! <laughs> Damn it! I knew that was going to happen. South of Empower Field at Mile High. Just feel empowered, Mace. Ugh. And very easy to get to. You don't have to drive. You can actually just take the light rail, uh, whether you're coming from uh, Golden or whether you're, or you transfer to the uh, to the to the West Line and just get off at the Decatur Federal Station. You are right there. You're not more than a quarter of a mile from no. where all the good times are happening. Zach will be there. Ryan Konigsberg will drop by. I'm going to make an appearance. Come chat Broncos football. Drew Locke. The future of the team with yep. us. Yeah, it's like a podcast, except it's live. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you get your live questions in, and Mace. After they're at the tailgate, are they going to like what they see on the field? Okay, it's a good question. Detroit's defense is bad. <laughs> the Broncos' D could be bad too, mm. without Cream Jackson. Yep. I mean, and look, you're down Domino Bradley effect. Chubb, Cream Jackson. You're down a lot. Yeah. A second corner. Yeah, you're already down Bryce Callahan. Yeah, think about what you've lost on this defense. No Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf. Bradley Chubb. Yep. Kareem Jackson. Yep. You haven't had Bryce Callahan at all. No. Those were honestly four Those are of four. your top seven yeah. defenders on defense. Those are core players right yep. there. They were counting on to be core players. Yep. And they're not going to be out there and the one thing that Detroit can do, even though David Blau is not an effective quarterback. In fact, <laughs> since the first quarter of the Chicago game on Thanksgiving when he had a couple of touchdown passes, since then he has one touchdown, five picks, and a less than robust passer rating of 58.0. Oof. One to five in, yeah. in four games and three quarters? Yeah. Oof. That is rough. Yes. That's Rusty Lish territory. And his very first pass was a 75-yard touchdown, right? Exactly. Well, you know, it was a 75-yard <laughs> touchdown. Thanks for helping me out on I that I actually one, said it that way on the radio last night, and I was recording a segment from my office here in my house, and I banged on my desk, and the uh, producer of the show, Anthony Rodriguez, it's like, what's that? What happened? Mace, what did you bang on? I said, oh, I just banged on my desk. It's like I bang on the table. It's like you're taking the house down. Yeah, I always need something. It was. It's a little rough when we do it over at Ryan's place and uh, Ryan Koenigsberg's place, and uh, I have to reach over, and it loses some of the spontaneity when I can't bang on something. But, yeah, David Blau has been a dreadful quarterback now for two and three quarters games, and that's why you have Lions fans wondering, heck, even Vikings fans. And Kyle Sloter not only is an alumnus of Broncos training camp, but Vikings camp. He was there for a couple of years and actually got uh, released for good this past uh, summer. And, <clears throat> pardon me, Vikings fans on Twitter and message boards <laughs> have suggested that Detroit put in Kyle Sloter for the season finale against the Green Bay Packers and that Sloter channels his preseason magnificence <laughs> tip to you, Zach, and leads the Lions to a stunning upset over Green Bay because even if the Vikings beat the Packers this coming Monday night, the Vikings cannot win the NFC North 
unless the Packers lose to the Lions in Week 17. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? But I want to see Kyle Slaughter in this game uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it makes it interesting. It throws a little pizzazz into the game. Yep. Gives us some spice, some sugar. The other thing is, in all likelihood, whatever Kyle Sloter did, if he gets out there, would provide some resolution for those in Broncos country right. who still speak his name. And there are those out there. I guarantee you when... I get it when I'm on the radio Thursday night on KOA, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Well, it may not be 9 p.m. It's at what's after whenever the CU basketball game ends. But I guarantee you that we will get at least one call or text on the show about Kyle Sloan. <laughs> Anytime he gets brought up, people react. Yeah, It's not to the degree of how people re- still react to Tebow. Like you say Tebow, and all of a sudden it's, it's uh, like – it's like the piranha just cowing down a piece of meat. <laughs> but there will, there will be a reaction to discussing Sloter. He still strikes a nerve among some corners of Broncos country. And look, I'm one who thinks the Broncos should have hung on to him in 2017. I talked about it with the 53rd roster spot in regards to Drew Locke. Is it really that important to have a player at on the offensive line or defensive line or whatever, nope. who is uh, mostly inactive. Nope. <laughs> because as you can see, if you need to bring in guys in a pinch, you can just bring somebody in to be a rotational player, and that's it. But quarterback is too important to to skimp on, and if there was even a hint of something there, you should have just hung on to him for a little bit and seen where he went. Certainly it would have made the end of the 2017 season a little more interesting. <laughs> Because if Paxton, you know, Paxton Lynch has his tears in the rain, Trevor Simeon gets hurt, <laughs> he had Brock Osweiler, but you would have people calling for Sloter. Yep, he certainly would have. We would have to slow the roll on Sloter. <laughs> that said, I do think the most likely outcome for Kyle Sloter, if he gets in on Sunday, is something resembling Babe Waffenberg with the Cowboys in 1990. Ah, yes. Another pr- guy who was a preseason wunderkind who couldn't make it translate to the regular season. There were things even with Sloter that I saw when he was here in that preseason finale. Like He started off in 2017. They were against the Cardinals and went up against their second-team defense, and it looked too big and too fast for him. Remember he took the safety? His eyes looked kind of as big as dinner plates. (laughs) And then the Cardinals benched the second team and went with the guys they were going to be cutting in the next 48 hours. Yep, the accountants. Yeah, the accountants, the the, the future dentists, the, uh, the future car salespeople, <laughs> future teachers, whatever. The, you know, Good people. Most of them are noble professions. Yep, yep, good people, just not football players. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you guys <sighs> knew that you were going to hear of Babe Vunderkamp? Did I get that right? Wunderkind. Babe Laufenberg, the Wunderkind. Babe, Babe Laufenberg. Of course, you guys knew you were you're going to hear that on today's first episode of or, or today's first segment, of course. And yeah, Mace, that's exactly what would happen. I don't know what the stat line would be, but even Kyle Sloter's parents wouldn't want to look at it after the game. Oh, you've heard from Sloter's parents too, huh? <laughs> Whenever I bring up the fact that in practice the week of that Cardinal preseason game, he went out there in the first team and got picked off repeatedly. 
his father will chime in. Oh, well, you should know that he was doing <laughs> scout team and he, no. just like Paxton, he was never given a fair opportunity, Mace. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I say that joking. Yeah, well, he was forcing the ball, but you know, <laughs> I've always thought that if you're going to simulate an opponent, you should. If that's the case, then that's crazy because you should simulate the opponent making good decisions, not bad ones. <laughs> well, you're right on. That's that. what I don't get. Like they, when people defend a quarterback on the scout team who throws a bunch of picks. It's always well, they're you know, it's it's a certain look, and they want him to throw to a certain spot. That's bad practice. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Because what you are saying, if that is a team's philosophy, what the team is saying is that, yeah, we expect the opposing quarterback to do dumb things. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. not, that's a terrible assumption. Yeah. It's an arrogant <laughs> assumption. It, it really is. It really is. And Mace, I mean, look no further than Chris Harris Jr. yesterday. He brought up that Kyle Slaughter may start for him for, for, for or may play for them. And he said, That'd be great. With I know. A huge smile <laughs> because on his face. he remembers those practices when they when they picked off like three passes in a row. I mean, I love Chris's honesty, uh, but going along his honesty, Mace, how often does he ever say, "Oh, it's great going up against this quarterback this week"? Even with how honest he is, he never says that. No, that was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was. Uh, uh, it was a great. It was a great shot. But it's because it's the truth. It's the truth too. Yeah, and that's likely how it would turn out. <laughs> but there is the slim chance that oh Kyle Sloter could come in against the Broncos' defense. Hey, we, we did mention, because we rattled off the players who are injured and won't be a part of this, it isn't the Broncos' defense that they wanted to construct. The defensive line, Adam Gotsis was still sidelined at practice. Of course, no Derek Wolf. The defensive line is still pretty compromised personnel-wise yeah. going into this game. Demarcus Walker on Wednesday was working off off to, off to the side, and uh, usually you don't get from off to the side to playing on Sunday. Yep. So you're going Jonathan Harris. Yeah. Held his own at times. Yep. Yep. New maybe man. Get, maybe get Dayon Sizer some reps. Yeah. Talk to him for a while on Wednesday. Good yeah. dude. Yeah. Dance at Kyle Kyle Pecco, who mm-hmm. you just signed. Yes, not Domata Pro Football Talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pro Football Talk, if you didn't see it on Twitter, had a story on Kyle Pecco rejoining the Broncos, and they used a picture of Domata. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Whoops. Different people. Not even brothers. No. Cousins. <laughs> yep. And not identical cousins either. Nope. <laughs> they nope. Look, Very they look nothing alike. How do, you get, how do you get that wrong? They do not look in any way, shape, or form no. alike. <laughs> no, never wore the same number. Nothing. Never the same hairstyle? Nope. No. Oh, my gosh. Let's say Domitai's hair is very, very unique. Yes. <laughs> He's enjoying life right now, isn't he? Oh, what a jump for him. Goes from Denver to Baltimore. Whew. Getting to anchor that defense. Be on the other side of Lamar Jackson. Get a front row seat every game. Wow. Field level. Now, there's a quarterback that you wouldn't be happy to face. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> oh. I mean, it, it, no matter what position you are on the defense. Okay, so what are the percentages in terms of the chance of seeing Kyle Sloter on Sunday? I'm going to go 25%. I'm going, you know what, I'll go the opposite. Oh, 75! <laughs> Love it. Blau is terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he's not a very good quarterback. And I just, why he, are, There's limited potential with him. 
Why? I never understand the quick hook when it comes to the quarterback position. If you have a quick hook on a guy, then you shouldn't start him. So I just don't understand that at all. But Mace, how but, does he since since you think he's going to play? How does he do? Well, or, no, no, no. I'll, I'll throw a percentage at you. What's the percentage that he plays very well? If he gets in, yep, about ten percent. Okay, I was gonna go five. I think there's a chance, but a, I don't like I don't like my odds. There's a one in ten shot. The the thing the thing that will hurt him is that this Lions team for a while has looked like it was ready for winter vacation. <laughs> uh, I think uh, kind of their last burst, their last roar, dare I say, was in the first <laughs> quarter of that game against Chicago. Again, you mentioned the seventy-five yard <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> You're tiring yourself out. From uh, from Blau to Galladay, also leading another touchdown drive. But after that, the Lions went in the tank, and uh, he went in the tank. Not only does he have that 58.0 rating in the last two and three quarters games, but the Lions since then have a meager 30 points. Oof. Wow. On the scoreboard. And they faced a good defense in Minnesota, a good defense in Chicago, and a pretty bad defense in Tampa Bay in that span. So just y- you think about that for a moment. They are averaging since that first quarter. Let's see here. Ooh, I, th- I added that wrong. Sorry, 13 plus 17. That's 30 over 120, 165 times 60. 10.9 points per 60 minutes. Ooh. Ooh. If you can't hold this offense down, and yes, I I know they have some weapons. Kenny Galladay, there's a, a good case for him to be made to be in the Pro Bowl. And that that's the, what the Lions are regarding as their snub. Galladay's got a 56 catches, 18.8 yards per catch, over 1,000 yards already, 10 touchdowns. Marvin Jones, pretty good, solid number two receiver, nine touchdowns on the season. Of course, four of them came in one game. So heavily weighted toward that Viking game yep. they had back in October. But they, but and Danny Amendola, a still a good slot receiver, not mm-hmm. explosive. So the concern for the Broncos is if David Blau or Kyle Sloter is accurate that because they go three deep in receiving targets right. that there's going to be a weak spot that the Lions can exploit. And also, frankly, because they go three deep, I think that is why Will Parks is staying as the slot corner for this game rather than playing every down at safety. There are two parts to it. Number one, Parks is still playing with a cast on his hand. But the other aspect of this is with Galladay, Jones, and Amendola, you're going nickel most of the game, more than usual. I, I'd say probably 80% of your snaps in this game for the Lions are going to be in three wide, which means you're going nickel to counter that. 80, so Will huh? Parks is still going to play a lot. Yeah, but yeah. Will, Will Parks is going to be a, a staple, and it makes sense not to shake so many things up. But instead, you got the inexperienced Trey Marshall out there. Yeah. It's funny because I asked Vic about Trey Marshall on Wednesday, and <laughs> you know, that's what he'd seen. Well, 
practice. And <laughs> I love I love the honesty. I, I love the honesty. It was, it was very much a well. <laughs> we don't know. We have no well, idea. Sometimes sometimes coaches will tell you that they saw something on a guy in practice. Right. And oh that, no, it's uh, good questions. Yeah, and Vic did not go down that. <laughs> I gave Vic the opportunity, yep. and he said no. Yep. A lot of coaches will just totally blow smoke. That's what I like about Vic. I mean, yeah. Vic is honest too, yeah. even when it's not what you want to hear and. Actually, what I always want to hear is honesty. Oh, of course. I think fans and players may want to hear something different. I want to hear the unvarnished truth. Yep. And even and Vic does hold back. I think there's he more does. he wants to say about Jawan James, for example, <laughs> yes. than he has said. He's dropped he's dropped enough hints that that make it known that there's more. Okay. Let me ask you this in regards to this game. I joined KOA Wednesday night for an hour, and I had not been listening to uh, Broncos Country Tonight, the show I appear on more than occasionally with uh, Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright. But I come on the air, and after we tell a few jokes, I am told by Ryan Edwards that Mike Kliss had been on earlier and said that Detroit was a tougher game than people realized <laughs> oh that said they're they're sleeping on detroit a little bit <laughs> <sighs> do you buy that at all mason their last or does that sound like coach speak to you it from mike Cliss? It, it sounds like here's here's the one thing that makes detroit i don't even want to use the word scary because that's not the right word is they have the wide receivers they have receiver talent and they may get carry on johnson back for this game so there is talent on offense but mace this is a team that since Matthew, th- th- this was a average, below average team with Matthew Stafford. They went three, four, and one with him. At least they were competitive. In the last six games without Matthew Stafford, they're 0 6. They're winless. They're getting outscored by 10 points per game. 10 points per game is huge over a six game stretch. They're only scoring 16 points a game, and they're giving up 26 points a game. So, no. This team is not scary, and they weren't doing well with Jeff Driscoll. But at least they were competitive. They lose by, they lose by seven to the to the uh, Cowboys. They lose by or seven to the Bears, eight to the Cowboys, three to Washington. Oh, they should never lose to them. And then they were competitive on Thanksgiving because of that first quarter. The element of surprise with David Blau. When the Bears figured out David Blau, the die was cast. Yep. And they lose by thirteen to Minnesota and by thirty-one to Tampa Bay. Think about that also in Tampa against Tampa Bay. They get the first possession interception off Jameis Winston that everybody gets. <laughs> and then the dam bursts. Yeah, I think it was uh, Cecil Lammy yesterday that made the joke of, that's how bad Detroit is. They only picked off Jameis Winston once. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we got to Jameis because there's something I want to discuss, and it tangentially involves Jameis Winston, but it also involves Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. The gunslinger comments. (laughs) Drew Locke embracing the notion of being a gunslinger and all that means. Because as I wrote on the DNVR.com, and as Shelby Harris mentioned by name, the first name a lot of us think of when we think of gunslingers, quarterbacks who will take risks because of their arm talent, but sometimes will have some mind-numbingly bad decisions, <laughs> is Brett Favre. Brett Favre retired as the NFL's all-time leader in completions, yards, touchdowns. Digging deeper, found out that in the last 
quarter century, he also is the NFL's leader in touchdown passes thrown when behind by one score in the last two minutes of regulation. How about that? Which shows, hey, that's the, the good side of being a gunslinger. Yep. Late and close and late, you're making plays. Yep. You're stealing games. But. But. Brett Favre is also the NFL's all-time <laughs> leader in multi-interception games. And just interceptions, period. Right. But at the point being that one mistake becomes two or three. Right. In a game. Yep. And Packers fans in my family, my in-laws, and throughout Wisconsin and beyond will be happy to tell you about some of the terrible decisions Brett Favre <laughs> made that occasionally cost the Packers some games. Yep. Point being, the gunslinger means that you can be Brett Favre, but you're still going to have some rough moments. Oh, yeah. The gunslinger also means you could be Jameis Winston. Mm. And Jameis Winston... <laughs> He's a gunslinger. Yes, he is. But what's interesting, first of all, Jameis Winston has never thrown fewer than 11 interceptions in a season. This year, year five, by the way, he's got a career high for interceptions, a career high in interception percentage. But what is also interesting, Zach, there's a lot of talk about how Jameis Winston, he's playing better, right? Yep. That he might be earning a new contract from the Bucks. <laughs> yep. The team is playing well. It's won five of its last six. There you go. If they beat Houston, they have Atlanta in Week 17. So if they beat Houston on Saturday in what is a very interesting game beyond me being a Bucks enthusiast, a very interesting game in terms of the Bucks' momentum, the Texans fighting for a division title, a lot in play in this game. But even during this six-game run, when Jameis Winston, by some, by, by some people's eyes, is earning a contract extension, Zach, he's thrown 14 touchdown passes and 12 picks. <laughs> so this is the downside of a gunslinger. Right. A gunslinger means you can get Brett Favre, best-case scenario. You also might end up with Jameis Winston. Yep, exactly. And Drew Bray, or Drew Locke is embracing it a million percent. He equated it to basketball. He said, it's like basketball. If you start and you're 0 for 5 Great at the three-point line, then you're going to shoot. I'm still going to shoot the sixth. I'm going to stick with my heart and my gut, and I'm not going to be afraid. I know that a few interceptions will eventually lead to a few touchdowns. Boy, Mace, he laid out the definition but of a gunslinger. You need a few interceptions to lead to more than a few touchdowns. Oh, I agree. That's the problem. Oh, with with Jameis Winston, like <laughs> I just one mentioned, one. he's playing good football right now. The, t the Bucks are playing well, better than they have for the first time in what seems like forever probably the first time since 2016, their last winning season. And yet, he's still averaging two picks a game <laughs> in a six-game span. He's only thrown two more touchdowns than picks. It's incredible. Is that sustainable? No. No, it, it's, it certainly isn't. And, and, and Vic Fangio sounded a little bit of a different note when he was asked uh, about what he wanted to see did. from Drew Locke down the stretch. He's, he wanted to see... <laughs> correct reads, running the offense efficiently, putting the ball where it needs to be, and being accurate. <laughs> yep. That didn't sound like he wanted a go, gunslinger. Then a go few sling it around yeah, and be and then, reckless. Right. And then a few minutes later, 
he, that great answer, of course, about uh, being a three-point shooter. But Locke was asked about what he thinks he needs to improve for the last two games of the season. And you know what he said? Uh, 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 yeah. Taking care of the ball and limiting the turnovers uh, 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 uh. that so I you... supply. I love that he said that I supply <laughs> or do for the offense. I like the ownership of it. Right. I'm going to supply you with a few turnovers. Hey, you know what? I love it. Be a gunslinger without the turnovers, and uh, then you're Peyton Manning. <laughs> uh, then you're the best ever. Would you ever regard Peyton Manning as a gunslinger? No, because he was just too smart. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was slinging the ball around the field, yes, but he wasn't taking he wasn't, those risks. He wasn't reckless, right? No, no. So that, no, that's not how he was <laughs> wired. Peyton Manning, yeah, exactly. Gunslinger means you have a lot of mistakes. Unfortunately, frankly, yes. yeah. And can you live with those mistakes? Right. Are you good enough to overcome those mistakes? But you're not going to be good enough to overcome multiple picks every single time. Was John Elway a gunslinger? Mm. Early in his career, I think bit. he was. Yep, a little bit. Actually, I'd say he was a gunslinger in part because there was no other option, especially in those first 10 years when yeah. the offense it was, was not all that efficient. It was him. It was funny. He His most productive seasons began in 1993, and he could still sling the ball around, but he wasn't a gunslinger starting with that year, with Jim, th- that first year with Jim Fossil. Yep when Wade Phillips was the head coach. The other thing is this. There was an era, and it was John, much of John Elway's career, but the 70s, the 80s, even in the early 90s, you could be a successful quarterback with a relatively high interception count. But that game doesn't exist right no. now. No, it doesn't. This game is all about being turnover adverse. Yes. And not not turning the ball over. Not putting the team at risk. You know, it, it's okay to play a relatively low-risk game and in the parlance of Hank Stram, matriculate your way down the field. Can't really. Yep. That's fine. Yep. And, look, if the gunslinging results in a season where Drew Locke has 34 touchdowns and 14 picks, I'd take that. But what if it results in 18 touchdowns and 14 picks? Right, and it very well could. And if that's the case, that equation is not going to get it done. No, it certainly wouldn't. And speaking of getting it done, does the gunslinger Drew Locke get it done against the Lions? Mace, what is your prediction? The line is Broncos are favored by a touchdown. Yeah, 5-19, and favored by a touchdown. That tells you how bad Detroit is. Exactly. Yeah, Again, while Detroit does have the ability to exploit the Broncos at a relatively weak point in the secondary, you know, Houston had that as well. But most of the Texans' damage came in garbage time. I think the gunslinging Drew Locke, there will be an interception or two. But against this shaky Lions defense, there will be two or three touchdown passes. The Broncos get the dub and get it by more than a touchdown. Yep, I completely agree, Mace. I think it's going to be more than a touchdown. Ryan yesterday at the end of the pod said 34-10 to 10 Broncos, so he's taken the Broncos by over a touchdown. The Broncos cover this easily. It's not going to be that 
into it's not going to be a 24 point beat down i i think detroit puts up 17 points on the broncos because the defense is is depleted but still 17 is okay to give up and i think drew Locke hangs 27 on him maybe with a gunslinger this will be a shootout although the problem is mm. while drew Locke has the talent and ability to get into a shut uh, a shootout and do well i don't think the lions have that capability with david blau yeah I, I don't think so either. And that's why you know, I would just go ahead and put Kyle Sloter in there because I don't think he could do worse I, oh, in I a agree. shootout he, type he of situation. But Mace, how about this, though? Uh, Locke and Blau actually played last year when uh, it was Purdue and Missouri. It was a fun game. And in, it was a shootout. In West Lafayette. Ended 40-37. to 37. Drew Locke was on top. Drew threw for nearly 400 yards, but Blau threw for like 550. They had to. Purdue couldn't run the ball worth a lick. Wouldn't that be fun if we saw that game? It would. <laughs> 40 to 37. We all deserve it. So we're all taking the Broncos here. Mace, let's go through the rest of the AFC right now. Raiders at Chargers. Chargers, five and a half point favorite. I'll give you our picks first. Ryan's taking the Raiders. I'm taking the Chargers. So we're split. Uh, Whose side are you going to be on, Mace? Chargers, five-and-a-half-point favorites in L.A. The Raiders just look bad right now. Yeah. And here's my thing with them. They're, they're, they decided to sit Josh Jacobs yesterday, so on Wednesday, mm-hmm. it means they're kind of shutting it down for the year. Yeah. Give me the Chargers in this one. Hey, well, Even though it's going to be a partisan Raider crowd oh, yeah. in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know what would have made a lot more sense? What? Moving the Raiders to Los Angeles and having the Chargers be in Vegas if they had to move. Yep, that's true. The Raiders have a huge fan base in Southern California. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, they do. And you'll hear it. And, oh, did you see the pictures of the Vikings-Chargers game? No. Last Sunday. Was it brutal? Oh, yeah. Tons of purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, They've it's had so some, sad. It's gotten really bad this year in part because they happened to draw – in interconference play, the Vikings and Packers. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are from Minnesota and Wisconsin yep. that don't like the cold but yep. are proud of where they're from yep. and live in Southern California. Yeah, that's rough. That is rough for them. Yeah. And May's final one, Chiefs five-point favorites going into Chicago to play the Bears. Primetime game. It's a primetime game. Bears are out of it. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, get easy for me. Give me the Chiefs all day. Five points is pretty incredible that it's that low. So well, it's the it's the uh, go- coach going against the uh, old mentor thing. We yeah. saw it back in week two with uh, Vic Fangio, and not now Matt Nagy is not really a mentor, but he worked under Matt Nagy, and now we're seeing Matt Nagy going against Andy Reid, and who does that favor? Even though the Broncos lost that game in week two, you could argue. Probably favored the Broncos. Right. Because while the Bears aren't a good team, the Broncos, in record and performance across the board, are a lesser team than the Chicago Bears. Yep. And managed to keep it close. Yep. Yep. It, exactly. And Mace, you already brought this up earlier in the podcast, but Lot N from 10 a.m. is when we kick off our tailgate this weekend. Mace, Ryan, and myself, we're all going to be there. 
course, Brandon Spano's there. You got Andre. You got Henry. You, the, the, the whole crew stops by this thing. And Sons of Mile High, they're awesome. And let's say you don't want to talk to us. Come for the Breckenridge Brews. Oh, there you there go. Because they are delicious Breckenridge Brews. They hook us up. We hook you up. So many different types of beers that we have. It is really, it's it's free to, to come hang out with a bunch of Broncos fans in the positive environment and you drink some delicious brews. But let's say you're not able to make it to the tailgate this weekend. Make sure you check out Davidson's, which has a Breckenridge Brewery deal of the month. Get a six-pack for only $7.99 of the delicious Breckenridge brews. So make sure you check them out. You can pick up a few for the Broncos game, a few for Christmas, a few for New Year's. Make sure you check out Davidson's and, of course, Swing by and get the Breckenridge beer. And also, Mace, speaking of local Bojo's, we love their pizza because it's the only place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievable, delicious pizza joint, and it's Bojo's. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza is in town. Bojo's is the only answer. They have some in Denver, surrounding Denver, on the way up to the mountains. I may stop by there on my way up to the mountains this weekend. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. That's right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener and is just to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family. A huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore. Colorado beer on tap, including those Breck brews we were talking about. And your favorite sports teams playing. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your holiday get-togethers and to celebrate birthdays and other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's in their community, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes, which is so awesome. So host your next fundraising event at any of their five Front Range locations. They're They're also offering this holiday season a special pint glass koozie that make a great stocking stuffer and also comes with a $5 gift card. So check out their website today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com. And make sure to tell them DNVR sent you. All right, Mace, we've talked about local. We've talked about our people. Let's hear from the people. Yes, let's start with Welsh Bronco 170 Hey, guys, thanks for helping me out on Twitter at jmartin170. I am a new subscriber from Wales in the United Kingdom. I got into a very enjoyable talk with Mace back in October on Twitter. Been hooked since. Helped me with my cardio workouts. Well, thank you. Really appreciate that. There we go. Anyway, my question is, with the likely exit of Chris Harris Jr., what are your thoughts on bringing in Kendall Fuller? He's only 24 years old and has a high ceiling. Plus, he could possibly be a secret weapon in the demise of Mahomes. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Welsh Bronco 170. What do you think of Kendall Fuller, the cornerback for the Chiefs? Kendall Fuller, the connection there is through Vic Fangio coaching Kyle Fuller, his brother, with the Chicago Bears in the defensive backfield. Kyle Fuller, we saw him back in week two, one of the best. The thing with Kendall Fuller that you have to ask yourself is this, is he a number one cornerback? Nope. And that's why, sure, he's a he's a piece you can have, but that's not a replacement in my in my mind. Not a replacement, but at the same time, what if it's part of an, a general overhaul of the cornerback core? Sure. Yeah, what if you're talking about spending heavily? Bryce Callahan, you hope he's back. But with the robust amount of cap room the Broncos possess, 
with a deep wide receiver and offensive tackle class in the draft, with Garrett Bowles maybe playing his way back into a job, what if the play was to go corner heavy in free agency? What if it was, say, Kendall Fuller and James Bradbury? Yep, I'd be okay with it. I would definitely be okay with it. Basically saying, okay, either offensive tackle or wide receiver, one of these things we're just right. going to address in the draft. We accept that. That You know what? That's the sort of thing that may make fans' dreams of C.D. Lamb <laughs> or Henry Ruggs come true. Yep. Because you're forcing yourself to pick one of those guys. Exactly. Exactly. Dan Burke, there's a report out that says the Browns are willing to let Joe Schobert hit free agency. Ben Albright said the Broncos would be a potential landing spot if that happens. Schobert himself said that he was monitoring Shaq Thompson's contract and is using that as a barometer. Thompson got a four-year, $54 million deal with $28 million guaranteed, so that's probably a starting point. How do you all feel about going after Schobert? <sighs> Tons of money at linebacker. You okay with that, Mace? Well, I don't think I, I just don't think it's a Broncos move. I don't think it's a John Elway move, and I don't think it's a Vic Fangio move. Is it, though? Remember, in Vic Fangio's second offseason, 2016, after his first year as Bears def- defensive coordinator, the big free agent splash they made on the defensive side was... Danny Trevathan. Yep. It's a different price point. Oh, this I know. is $54 million for four years. But times have changed. The cap keeps going up. Of course, the price points are different. But Schobert, man, that's a lot. If you're talking about Shaq Thompson money, uh, I don't know. I I don't think Schobert is in Shaq Thompson's class, in my opinion. Right. Others may disagree. And Danny was was great, but I mean, even like comparing that, I think Danny would be like ten this year compared to what he was for the what the seven I think that the Bears signed him for. this would be 13. This is too much for me. Okay. 14. Dane Trevathan has been solid. Some injuries. Would you look into him as a lower cost alternative? Is he a free agent after this year? Yes. His contract expires. Yeah. I think you do. Okay. I think you do. As a deal guy, and I don't like saying the guys will be deal guys, but this would make sense for him to be a deal guy. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would. It, man. And I think Vic would like it. John would like it. Danny would like it. The teammates would like it. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. It actually does make a lot of sense. Even yeah. though you have to accept with Dane Trevathan, he's probably going to miss anywhere from sure. three to five games. Sure. And uh, and you're probably not counting on him to be everything. but You're getting a discount because he's yeah. hurt. Exactly. Exactly. Next one coming in from Missouri Bronco. I think a way we can make plans for away game DNVR meetups with Mace in the future is to figure out who lives where. For example, I live in the Kansas City area. Other DNVR listeners in the area could let me know and we could form groups. How do social media groups sound? Just a thought. If we're on board and and live in the Kansas City area, reply to this. So go into the comment section, reply to Missouri Bronco. I know we have a Salt Lake City and a Utah DNVR Broncos group. So yeah, absolutely. Let's get these groups going. Maybe the Salt Lake City crew will drive down to Vegas next year. Oh, yeah. I'd like that. It's a straight shot yep. down the highway. Yep. That'd yeah, so great idea, Missouri Bronco. We'll get that rolling in the offseason. All right, this one from Iceman. Hey, friends. Welcome back, RK. Absolutely love the F-bomb on the game reaction pod. Did oh. you not delete that? I didn't notice it. Whoa. Wow. I thought this was a family show. Tick, 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 RK. Wow. Question, boys. Can Garrett loan Zampezi out to Chiwong James? There's something going on with the Broncos starting offensive tackles. Wishing all the DNVR family around this third rock from the sun a happy holidays. 
with a smiley face. And I love that, <laughs> Ice Man. We love you. Very Merry Christmas. Prediction for the Lions game is my hope of no serious injuries for either football club, including this last Raiders game. Go, Drew. Broncos, Zoomies. It, it, Iceman, that, that's a great point that we haven't brought up yet, is that this is preseason mode. It, you you got to get through these last two games with no significant injuries because an injury now could could hinder you next year. It's also evaluation mode. Right. Which is why— Preseason. Yeah, it's disappointing that Juwan Winfrey's on IR. We're not going to get to see him. There's some— But I do think you use this to find out about some guys— I want to find out about Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick. Can they really be number two, number three wide receivers? Right. There's a lot on the line for them. Yep. I think there's still a lot on the line for Garrett Bowles. Mm-hmm. There's a lot on the line for Austin Schlopman. Yep. Although, if he plays the way he did the last couple of weeks, he's probably playing himself out of being anything more than a rotational backup. Right. Uh, again, another example of someone I was hoping to see. I was hoping to see Demarcus Walker, but based on seeing him off to the side on Wednesday, no. that would appear he's not likely to play Sunday. Right. Because there'd be something on the line for him as well. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a there's a lot on the line for for not star players this week. At cornerback, I think Isaac Yadam may be the guy who has the most writing on this. We talk about cornerbacks, and we talk about the Broncos being active in free agency. There, Isaac Yadam has a shot to lock down a top two or top three cornerback role for the 2020 season. I see what you did there. Lock down. Or at least compete. I think Devontae Bosby is going to be in that mix too. Mm-hmm. too and they'll have Devontae Harrison there. But they're going to add some talent. And Isaac Yadam, if he plays well, has a chance to be among that young crew, be the, t- the top level of that which would put him in position for a lot of playing time in 2020. Next one from Sir James Radio. I want to jump in on the jersey uniform debate that is taking place on Twitter as I type this out. Oh, we're so close to the offseason. Almost made it. I personally like the current uniforms and absolutely cannot stand the color rush uniforms. They bug me with the block with the block numbering. The block numbering is what I like the most. <laughs> it just doesn't scream Broncos to me. Even when looking back on the classic D logo jerseys, they just don't hold up. The color rush jerseys are a hodgepodge of everything and look as such. They're nice, but love the currents more. I know Mace is absolutely triggered by the swoosh down the side, my subsequent favorite part of the uniforms. And I've heard him say in the past how it's not matching the helmet also bugs him. You know what else doesn't match, Mace? Max Scherzer's eyes, and he seems to be doing all right for himself, just as the Broncos are with three Super Bowl <laughs> victories coming in under the current banner. I should mention that I say all of this in jest and that I mean no disrespect to anyone, especially Max Scherzer, Sir James Radio. You know who else's eyes don't match? Mine. <laughs> Seriously. They're, they're very cool. Exactly, but the thing is, that's a natural mistake of, you know, <laughs> Genetics, Mother Nature, or whatever. You don't think uniforms are a natural mistake? You don't. You don't make intentional mistakes. Like the Cowboys, they've they've got an intro, a good uniform. But one of the things that drives me crazy is how they've got uh, so many shades of blue in the various uniforms running around. It's actually kind of a stylistic disaster <laughs> yeah. in some ways. Washington's uniforms, since they went to the uh, yellow pants a lot of the time with the old school socks, they have different stripe patterns on the helmet. Jerseys, jersey sleeves, pants, and socks. Just an absolute visual nightmare. It's funny that Sir James says the color rush jerseys are a hodgepodge of everything. I think they're the exact opposite. 
because the stripe pattern is the same. It's that three stripe pattern. It's the same on and inverted on the helmet, of course, because it's a blue helmet. But it's the same stripe pattern on the helmet, sleeves, and pants. And I like that kind of consistency. Whereas I look at the current uniforms and I see one pattern on the helmet, another pattern down the side of the pants, and I just I, the, I look at the current uniform and that's where I see the hodgepodge. Here's here's my take. As as you know, I'm not the biggest uh, jersey guy. Here's my take. I like the color rush uniforms. I really do not like Ryan's take of well, you won three Super Bowls in this jersey, so you can't change it. I could care less about that. You if you need to innovate, you need to innovate. That they're not losing a Super Bowl because they wore a specific jersey or not, or they had those jerseys in the year. Although, as was pointed out to me on Twitter, back in Super Bowl 50, the Broncos did intentionally wear white when they had the choice rather than orange. But it wasn't just about the Broncos losing Super Bowls in orange. (laughs) It was about the fact that the Panthers had never won a postseason game in black jerseys before. How about that? Because it was interesting. The first time they wore black jerseys in the postseason at home was January 2009 against the Cardinals. The reason they'd only had two home games in the postseason to that point in their history. Why they wore white for those two previous home games that they won, they were facing the Cowboys. Mm. And there's this superstition about the Cowboys blue jerseys being bad luck and forcing and back in the 80s in particular teams would wear their color jerseys for seven games but then they'd wear white against the Cowboys the Broncos did this in 1980 they came out against the Cowboys at home and wore all white to force the Cowboys into their their at the time royal blue jerseys and they throttled them. So there was <laughs> believed to be something to that oh my gosh that's anyway so silly so when the, the Panthers after that disaster against Arizona, where Jake DeLome had maybe the worst playoff game at quarterback anyone's ever seen, they play the 49ers a few years later. They wear the black jerseys again at home, and they lose in the postseason. And at that point in the building, probably my friend David Monroe is now the team's historian because he points out these sort of things. He's kind of wired like I am. No, Probably noted to people in the organization, hey, you know, We've never won a a playoff game in black. And so when they played the Cardinals a year later in the postseason, the white jerseys were there. (laughs) They won that. They won won future games. When they made their run to Super Bowl 50, they wore white at home in the postseason against Seattle and Arizona. And so I will say this. When the Broncos made it to the Super Bowl, after the Panthers matchup was set, I did point this out to some people higher up in the Bronco <laughs> organization that the Panthers had never won a playoff game wearing black jerseys. So we can all thank you for Broncos Super Bowl 50. If you believe the uniforms <laughs> have a lot to do with it, yes. I prefer to thank Von Miller <laughs> for that one. Denver born, Denver raised. Hey, guys, I just want to point out that Jano, love Jano. Has been very missed in the run game. I don't know stats, but I can almost assure you guys that both Lindsey and Freeman have better numbers with Jano than with Beck. This scheme and blocking is very reliant on a good fullback. As for a speed receiver, I would love Jalen Rager or J.K. Hamler in the second. I love Jalen Rager. Also, just got my DMVR shirts and absolutely love them. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you yes. for buying the shirts. Appreciate yes. that. Yes, thank you. And I've got a piece coming up either later today or maybe overnight 
diving into the running game and the lack of production without Jano. Yep. So you bless you, Mace. So you hit it on the head, Denver born, Denver raised. Yes. So make sure you stay tuned to Mace's piece for that. And next one coming in from Nihalo on today's edition of DNVR Out of Context. Quote, Joe Flacco's got one of those big things that looks like a hammer. It's so heavy he can hardly wear sweatpants because it's going to pull his pants down. It just looks like it's the same size when Rivers has the tiny one. Same proportions for those guys. (laughs) Was that the Jewel podcast? Uh, Probably, yep. (laughs) No, yep, yep, that was yesterday, talking about the Jewel. Yes. Yep, yeah. Well, Boy, Nihalo, I actually, maybe Ryan and Mace totally picked up on that. I did not pick up on that one. I did not bit. pick up on that either. <laughs> Although I'm thinking to myself, would someone say that about Drew Locke? Oh, yes, indeed they would. Oh, my. <laughs> and not about Jules. Count Locula. <laughs> Trey Marshall went to the same high school as Pat Summerall, drafted, of course, in the fourth round of the 1952 draft as a place kicker from Arkansas. Summerall was a broadcaster for Super Bowl 24, which sadly the Broncos lost 55-10. Aaron Neville sang the national anthem at that game. His son Ivan Neville has performed with the Spin Doctors, of which the original membership included John Popper of Blues Traveler fame. Feel free to sing, Mason z <laughs> Hey, the hook will bring you back. On this, you can rely. I can't, I can't help you out I'm there. not going to do the, uh, the, 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 the string of words. From the from the bridge of that song, I used to be able to do that back in the nineties. <laughs> I'd have a couple of beers in me, and I'd start, you know, rambling, blah 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 blah. By the way, a good Colorado connection on John Popper and Blues Traveler—they still perform every year at Red Rocks on the Fourth of July. Wow, that's really cool. It's a tradition. Yeah, that's special. Although the blues is a relatively new style of music, traveling is an age-old tradition dating back to Neolithic times. This is the very same epic, incidentally, that the under-center style of quarterback play was originally dreamt up. Call me an iconoclast, but after 65 years of one guy's hands under another guy's hindquarters, I think it's time for a change. RPOing shotgun for Mr. Locke, please, from here on out. Love the count. Well, you lost me at the beginning in the middle of that count just because uh, you're, you're too smart. But at the end, yeah, I agree. More shotgun. I love the, you know, I, I love where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep spin doctors too you know <laughs> hopefully drew Locke is more superman without a pocket full of kryptonite <laughs> on next, Sunday. next one from nick sticks hey guys i was listening to tyler Columbus on the radio today and he said that a lot of the top tackles in this draft do not fit the scheme denver wants to run they are too big and can't move in space is what he was getting at put Austin Jackson from USC on the top of his list, or he put Austin Jackson from USC at the top of his list, along with Prince Tiga, uh, what, Wengongho. How do you spell that? Prince. Or, or how do you uh, say that? Prince Tiga Wonoho, I believe. Wonoho from Auburn. Wonogo. As they are more athletic guys. Either of them are projected to be first-round picks. A lot of mock either. drafts have Austin Jackson going in the first round. I mean, as a, uh, as a potential guy. Right, and... It's the athletic potential, and when I hear those things, honestly, I get a little bit scared because I think of Garrett Bowles, who has struggled to launch over the course of his career. Yep. I think of George Foster, for whom it took a little while to get him going, and even then he kind of got to that average starter role and didn't really go to the next level. So, mm, you know, I— Austin Jackson, when I hear, you know, athletic tackle project needs a little bit of time, 
that description gives me the willies a little bit. It, it gives honest. me as well. And he continues to say, this could be a blessing in disguise for Denver as they could spend their first round pick on wide receivers like Ruggs or Chenault. Then I propose we trade back into the first and get Mace's guy, Biotish, and then try to take one of these tackles in the second. I know Mace isn't high on Jackson, but considering how much it seems like they might want might be sticking with Bulls and James anyway, I think taking a guy in the second round to compete for a starting job would be good. Imagine Ruggs or Chenault, Biotish, and then say in some, and say Winogo. Winogo in the second round. Those three could jolt us on offense. That is much needed. This would also mean signing Connor McGovern and putting him at right guard. I would have much more faith in that offensive line. What say you? Well, Mace already kind of answered, and I agree with Mace. I, if you're getting a project at tackle, and if you're sticking with Bulls, and obviously you're sticking with James, you may. I don't want to use a second-round pick on that. That's a third, fourth-round type of pick. Third at the earliest. I don't want a project. I want a sure thing. At offensive, at offensive tackle, if you're going to spend premium money, get me a sure thing. If you're going to spend a premium draft pick, get me a sure thing. Yeah, I think it's just kind of you define, okay, where do you take those guys? For this team, there are still enough holes on the roster where that second-round pick probably needs to be an immediate contributor Yes, in some fashion. Without a doubt. And that's why, for example, Demarcus Walker, second-round pick, such a disappointment over his career because he has only been that in spurts, and now he's hurt. Yep. Coach Tobin, been a while, but I listen to each pod as my daily routine. Thank you, Coach. Love Appreciate you, coach. that, man. I need to own up to my bold prediction saying Bowles will make the Pro Bowl earlier this season. I was loud wrong. Oh, well. <laughs> At least we know now. Thanks for owning up to it, Coach. You know what? I, I like that. I, I like the honesty. I like owning predictions like that. I, I mean, so sometimes I think people want to ignore the fact that they made picks. Yep. You know? Yep, exactly. But uh, not not from you, Coach, and I really, really appreciate that and thankful to you for listening. I'm going to AT&T Stadium Thursday to watch my hometown Pottsboro Cardinals play for the 3A State Championship in football here in Texas. How about a big shout-out for them as it's their first experience. Hey! Appearance. Absolutely. Go Cardinals. Good luck to the Pottsboro Cardinals down in Texas, of course, High school, t- high school football bigger in Texas than any oh, other. Yeah. And getting to walk on the field at AT&T Stadium. I-, I love the fact that so many NFL teams, including the Broncos, open their facilities to have high school football state championships. Yeah, you may look around the stands and see mostly empty seats, but it's part But the experience. It's the thrill for those kids getting to walk onto an NFL field. Yep. Amazing! Yeah. I, it's one of my it's one of the my favorite things that I see every year, late November into December, is when you look around and you see high school state championships in places like, you know, in Power Field at Mile High, uh, you know, CenturyLink Field up in Seattle. I'm naming I'm name dropping a lot of old companies. I like almost said mm-hmm. Quest mm-hmm. there. Uh, back in back when the Rams were in St. Louis. The Dome there used to host the state championship. Ford Field in Detroit does as well. We see a lot of that around the league. Really cool. Yes, exactly. Uh, so shout out to the Pottsboro Cardinals. Yes. Last thing I need to hear is that he, I, last thing I need to hear Zach say, Open your eyes, people. <laughs> I just made my day. Thank you. Because that is just classic. Here's to 2020 and a big change in direction from the last four years. Amen to that. How about a new decade, a new a new era in Broncos football? But the last decade was pretty good. Yeah, but just from, Super from, from the last four years, how about that? Yeah. Uh, a I mean, fresh start. Would you take uh, 2020s that looks like the 2010s? Without a doubt. 
a Super Bowl win, down. two Super Bowl appearances, five straight, five straight division titles, but also Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, but also years that were world of suck. Don't yep. because you you Without started the decade four and twelve, you end it with three consecutive losing seasons. Without a doubt, you take that. Without a doubt, and something else I'll take is joining the DNVR fam and you guys joining the DNVR fam, especially to read Mace's piece about the running game, how important Jano is. Make sure you join our fam and do it right now because you get the holiday special where we're giving you two free shirts when you join our family. And, of course, you get all the exclusive access to our website, which comes with every single sport that we cover. You get the two free shirts. You get us. You get to support us. You get to support support locally owned journalism we'd really really appreciate it and speaking of supporting us and supporting local business we're super excited to tell you about denver rubber company and you guys know the deal denver rubber company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects since 1972 denver rubber company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die cut gaskets molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses and guess what Snow is coming, and you guys know we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and let me tell you guys, it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and make sure to tell them that DNVR sent you. By the way, before we go on, I think uh, Colby Wadman or Tom McMahon's burner account has found me. Oh, there we go. I got this one. It's one that's got a, it's your classic kind of bot. Yep. Uh, Twitter username because it's got a lot of numbers on the end. <laughs> said, have you analyzed each of Wadman's punts to see how each affected the game? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, he's like going through and checking. You know, Here are Britton Colquitt's punting stats. Here are Brett Kern's net punting stats. Oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> the burner has found me. That is Look hilarious. out. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> all right. Anyway, from uh, Boucher all day. I have a couple of questions about the draft. One. If Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas are both selected before the Broncos pick, who is a third tackle the Broncos would consider? At that point, would be too rich for a 10-15 to 15 pick, making wide receiver a better pick. We just talked about some of those guys uh, that could be in the discussion at tackle, and I'd say, yeah, too rich for 10-15. to 15. And if you're at 15, though, be oddish. Yeah, make, at that point, taking a center actually makes some sense. And because he... You know, people are sure. Would I like to take a center and be oddish at, at 32 or 27 by training? Sure, but he, he may be gone by then. What's When you look at the offensive line, once you get past <clears throat> blindside protector on tackle, I think center is right there, especially for a young quarterback in terms of getting things set pre-snap. Right. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I want the smartest guy on the team as my center. Yep. And Tyler Biotish is a very smart guy. Two, let's say the Broncos use their first-round pick on Judy, Lamb, or Ruggs. Would it be too greedy to select LaVisca if he dropped into the late second or early third? I know it would be unlikely he dropped that far, but weirder things have happened. Yep, 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 yep. That would be too greedy. It's not too greedy if you addressed every other item on the shopping list in free agency. Right, and I'm just assuming that they right. haven't addressed everything else. That would be a luxury. That would be fun. 
That's how you get quarterbacks killed. Dan Burke actually responds to the tackle question and it brings up like Jedrick Wills and said it'd be a reach taking if there's an elite receiver prospect on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's it's a big drop from one to two of the next uh, group of tackles. Right. So exactly. And you also have Hunter P suggesting Alex mm-hmm. Leatherwood. He spent time at guard and tackle in a trade back. And Leatherwood, some people would say he's probably better as a guard than a tackle. Right. Exactly. So once you move past 10 or 15, you can take any offensive lineman. Yeah, you start getting to the question marks. Yep. You don't want a question mark with a pick that high. Nope, exactly. Dan Burke says, Mace, can you elaborate on the Elway doesn't want to draft Bama players thing? We know that he tried to trade up for C.J. Mosley in 2014, and he was on the radar again in free agency this offseason. Also, Vic has drafted two Bama players in his stint with D.C., as well as adding Kareem in free agency. So maybe he's softened up to that idea. I know there's a conception among a lot of NFL teams that Bama players enter the NFL with worn-down bodies from being overworked in college. So is that the issue Elway has with them? No doubt there's some merit to that, but you get situations like Josh Jacobs where they're barely played in college and enter the NFL with fresh legs, so every player should be treated differently. The the worn-down thing, there is something to that as far as why the Broncos have generally stayed away from Alabama players. Like, here's a good story. Let's go back to 2013. Tale of two running backs. Le'Veon Bell is off the board, but Monte Ball and Eddie Lacy are on the board. Even though Monte Ball had a heavy workload at Wisconsin, the Broncos opted for him rather than Eddie Lacy. Part of it with Eddie Lacy was he had a toe issue. And the belief was, okay, he's not going to last very long in his NFL career. Of course, Monte Ball didn't even last as long as Eddie Lacy. But it's the sort of thing that comes up with Alabama players sometimes is that they have physical wear and tear. They have hard practices even before they get on the field. The other thing that comes up with Alabama players is, okay, you're watching them. There are so many outstanding players. It's a virtual constellation of stars at times on the college level. So are they making great things happen because of their own individual abilities or is it because they have great players around them as well? What is the cause of this? And sometimes it can be hard to discern which players are kind of making things happen and which ones are kind of riding the wave a little bit. Well, then do your job, yes, as that's Bill Belichick would say, and that's find the scout's out. job. Yeah. Don't blackball Alabama. That is so stupid. Yes, will you get bust from Alabama? Yes, will you get bust from every school? Yes, yes. will you get good players from Alabama? Yes, you will. I hate that 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 there's just a black ball to the best. I wouldn't say it's a black. The I wouldn't say it's a black ball. I would say it's a tiebreaker, and I think that's wrong. I I I think it's wrong because it's the best program in the country. You want leaders. You want winners. Well, I mean, not necessarily that that only leaders come from out there, but winners come there. So. That should be a tiebreaker in a good way. I understand. That should be part of the equation. It shouldn't be everything. I don't think it's something. I don't think it should be a tiebreaker at all. I think you should be evaluating these players on their individual merits. I agree. I agree, Mace. Next one from Sam Monkey 27 Mace, have you watched The Mandalorian? If you have, what's your opinion? Here's to hoping Drew pans out. This is the way. Well, I like how you got a this is the way, and that's (laughs) a reference to The Mandalorian. I am... Five episodes through now, so I'm a little bit behind. Episode 7 just dropped this week. (laughs) I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, like any series, there are going to be some episodes you like better than others, but there's been just enough fan service calling back to Star, other Star Wars tales that's kind of, you know, make you feel kind of warm and fuzzy, but I, I like the fact that it's going 
in new directions. It's a time period in the Star Wars universe that has not been explored on screen. Basically, it's the time between the original trilogy and the trilogy that we're seeing right now. There are infinite possibilities from this. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and it's been done so well that I'm really excited about the supposed Obi-Wan Kenobi series. (laughs) Uh, Ewan McGregor will be coming back to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, it would appear, that is apparently in the works. That's the one I've wanted to see for a long time because what 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 happens to Obi-Wan Kenobi in that basically that 19-year period that we lose track of him when he goes into hiding? Mm. I, I want to find that out. Yeah, love That's to find it. I'm glad you enjoy it, Mace. Next one from Lit Vatsky. Hey, I want your guys' thoughts on this idea, and I'm surprised the comparison has not been brought up. What do you think with Locke compared to Elway? Oh, come on. Aaron, Levatsky. Easy. Have you not have you not been listening to me? I've I've compared him many times. Said he 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 has uh you know a very very similar game. Elway had a strong arm and was always trying to zip throws in. He also, in my opinion, watching his old games, did not have his best footwork and threw off his back foot. Elway struggled his first year, hit a stride in the eighties, and then still had some pedestrian seasons, including a five one season in the nineties. I think if Elway builds this team up right, Drew can develop into that guy. Also, in regards to the Chiefs game, it was cold, and I have not seen that much snow at a game in forever. I kept trying to decide if I felt the Broncos got dominated, but it just comes down to domination is not the right word. The Chiefs controlled the game, and the Broncos left points out there that we should have capitalized on. Chiefs left points out there, too, in the red zone. Right, exactly. Last point, I was pretty frustrated with Locke throwing two picks in a row. He was gifted one back but the penalty with the penalty, but then just a poorly under underthrown ball to give it back again would like to hear you guys' thoughts on that series of plays thanks as always Litvatsky well I think my thoughts on the series of plays were summed up by Locke himself on Wednesday talking about your three-point shooter sometimes you miss five shots in a row but you keep shooting (laughs) that's what that was he missed one shot in a row and he tried again (laughs) yeah keep shooting (laughs) yeah that and you're gonna get that if you embrace Drew Locke being a gunslinger you have to embrace I know you're not going to be thrilled to embrace it, but you have to understand that that's going to happen. Mace, if he truly is his gunslinger mentality, you have to accept, maybe it's this week, maybe it's in 10 years when he's won two Super Bowls, that he's going to have a three-pick game. He may even have a four-pick game. It's going to happen with a gunslinger. You know who else was a gunslinger? Who? Jake Plummer. Yeah, he was. But they got so frustrated with that after two seasons here in Denver that they basically put all the restraints on him in 2005. Remember, he was no mistake, Jake. That was the nickname. Yep. Not spectacular, Yep. but just steady. And the team went 13-3. and three. Yep. But it all broke down in the <laughs> AFC yep. Championship game. Yep. I was thinking about that game recently. That's a, that's a painful moment. That's a painful memory for me. Yeah. For a lot of people, Mace. Yeah. It's a painful memory. And I think is this the final one coming in from Andrew Karachi? Just in under the wire. What jerseys do you own? I have quite a list. Blue jersey, Von Miller, DT, Jake Plummer, Brock, Brock Osweiler, Brian Greasy, Jay Cutler, Champ Bailey, Bill Romanowski, Tatum Bell, Darren Williams, and rare Jerry Rice. White jerseys, Chris Harris and Peyton Manning. Orange, John Elway and Jay Cutler. I also own a Matt Ryan jersey I bought to troll Packers fans back in 2016 and two Tom Brady ones. Do you prefer Reebok or Nike? I'm a Reebok guy since I'm a bit... Er, I'm a Reebok guy since I'm a bigger guy. Nike ones are too tight for me. Have a good one, guys. Well, Andrew Karachi, I don't know if you're listening to us in the offseason, but that's when all the jersey dip, dip talk was going on. Ryan's the jersey guy. Mace, are you a jersey guy? I was in the past. I mean, now not so much. Yeah. The only football jersey I have is an old Leroy Selman. Wow. Buccaneer jersey. Wow. Throwback one. 
I have zero. So you have one more than me. I, I have zero. I was never a Jersey guy. I had every shirt, every sweatshirt, every coat you could imagine. I just wasn't a Jersey guy. The, uh, the Reebok versus Nike, I, I mean, I think with Nike, you just buy a size bigger than you, than you had because they're, just, they're cut differently. Um, I haven't really worn the Nike jerseys. I've tried them on a couple of times. I, I prefer the Reebok ones are better. I think the best ones, uh, in the late 90s, you had, um, you had Champion that, were, that made some jerseys. I actually I have a replica Buccaneer jersey made by Champion from 1997. Uh, it's somewhere in my parents' house. It's Mike Allstott. How about that? And they That's got a, cool a new one. uniform, and I wore that in college constantly. And that was—I I thought that was the best one in terms of how it fit, how it sat on my shoulders, et cetera. That, so, yeah. I have one I like one jersey of any sport. It's a Todd Helton World Series authentic jersey. He's got the patch on there. The only reason I have it though is because it was given to my uh, now sister-in-law as a wedding present. Oh. It was way too big for her way too small for my for my brother so they said hey do you want this I said, of course i'll have it how nice oh yeah what a gift no what 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 a gift. i have a lot of baseball jerseys oh I'm i think sure. i think the baseball jersey is the most wearable jersey it is in casual situations yeah. like you can't really wear a football jersey or a basketball jersey. or a basketball jersey and even hockey is borderline right this is a the baseball one a baseball jersey you can actually just wear casually going out with friends yeah i it's I, just it's a different look a different feel and uh i think that's part of why i have more of those than any because i feel like i can just wear i can just wear it on a i can wear a, a ronald acuna or a freddie freeman or or chipper jones jersey on a random saturday and it's not gonna arch any eyebrows and speaking of going out with friends mace we are out we are going down to dove valley to talk to our friends with our friends for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Mace, have a fantastic Star Wars weekend. Don't look at the reviews until you've seen it. But I hope it's fantastic. Lives up to your expectations. Everyone else seeing Star Wars, have a great time. And of course, everyone watching the Broncos game, have a great time. It should be a blast for Broncos country. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. We love you. Have a great weekend.
in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.